Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And of course, joining me is my co-host, James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire over on USA Today. And Jay, it's good to be back with you here again and here for a a little bit of a more different episode than we've done in the past as we're going to be talking about fantasy football with a couple of guests that just recently joined the Believe Podcast Network. And man, I'm excited for everyone to hear this conversation because they were a blast. It was a lot of fun. And I think people are really going to enjoy the episode. Absolutely. It was so in-depth. That might have been the, one of the more in-depth episodes we ever done. And it's probably because we never covered fantasy before, but even for some, you know, some guys that are just dipping into fantasy football or in, in terms of fantasy football discussions, me and you on a podcast format, even for us, that's, I mean, like, it still was pretty in-depth. And I think, like, uh, you know, people should definitely check them out. Uh, the Candlestick Kids podcast, both Sky and uh, Bobby, man, they, they it sounds like I haven't yet, uh, I have yet to hear one of their episodes, but it sounds like they have a solid podcast just based off of the stuff they discussed with us. And, uh, you know, how in-depth they went with, you know, it's, it's just the Jaguars. They're not really fantasy relevant. Yeah. And these guys gave us tidbits about, like the Jaguars, they're deep into this stuff. So uh, that in itself was dope. But um, glad to be back, man. Uh, as usual, we appreciate everybody that is rated, commented, subscribed, uh, this, that, and the other. And, of course, they're really going to like this episode that we got uh, coming up today. So that being said, man, glad to be back and uh, ready to get right into it, man. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you're not a fantasy football player, I, I promise you, this is a really, really interesting episode. Sky and Bobby, just as you mentioned here, Jay gave us so many in-depth tidbits. And just from the feedback that we've received from you guys, you guys really enjoy the episodes that really go in-depth statistically. And this is going to be one of those episodes. So even if you're not necessarily playing fantasy football, this is still going to be a really, really fun episode for you to check out. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody, just as Jay did, for listening to the show, for all the downloads, all the reviews. Thank you guys so much. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review because it is the, one of the best ways you can help support the show. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the awesome Believe Podcast library. That's where you can also find the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll make sure to link that here in the episode details. Um, you can also tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. Find us on Instagram there as well. You can find Jay at SportsGrind underscore Don and myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And before we bring in the group from the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast, I do want to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
All right, folks, with that being said, let's get into our discussion with the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast with Sky Guasco and Bobby Lamarco. All right, everybody, let's get into this week's awesome discussion. Jay and I have been really looking forward to this uh, here since we found out that this podcast had joined the Believe Network. So, uh, you know, our buddy Josh, shout out to Josh over there at Believe for setting this up. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. They are one of the newest podcasts on the Believe Podcast Network. Remember, like each and every single week, I tell you guys, there's a show here for everybody. Well, this is an example of that. So joining us here today, uh, joining Jay and I today, is Sky Guasco and Bobby Lamarco from the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and for you know, adjusting for time zones and all that doing kind of well, stuff because you're it's on really the opposite nice end on of here. us. I'm very How excited to get down with tonight? you guys on some Jags, talk about the Duval Nation here. And yeah, I mean, we've done a lot. We are the West Coast kids and so many people we we deal with podcasts are East Coast. I actually have a number of UK people, some people in Hawaii. I mean, we're all over the uh, all over the spectrum with time zones, but very excited about it, man. And, and look, the Jags, nice young team for fantasy football. At, we were just talking pre-show. After a couple of years of not so much excitement for fantasy football, we're turning the corner quickly, and I'm excited to get into this. You'll be happy to and know, it, by the way, too. I didn't mean to cut Bobby off. Uh, with us being international Jaguars, we're we're I guess you could say the world's team. <laughs> with yeah, what you just right? said about the the UK, we're gonna have some right. people tuning in for UK content too, because you know, hey, they they want to play some fantasy football too, so. Uh, they'll it'll be plenty of them listening in on this as well but go ahead Bobby man have at it no I was just gonna say thanks for having us guys really do appreciate it I love Trevor Lawrence being here I'm excited to get you guys what the depth chart looks like how Chenault looks um, because we have our thoughts but we need we need you guys to give us the light to see if these takes are actually right Absolutely. One big collaborative effort here uh, bef- um, here on this episode. Yeah, so before we begin, you know, again, we were talking pre-show, you know, your show has been around for a really, really long time. You guys got over 400 episodes. So like, it's really exciting to have a show, uh, you know, with your kind of longevity joining us here at Believe. So if you want to take a moment to just that. introduce not only yourself, but also just talk about the show in general. He does a lot of writings as well with multiple sites. So I'm Sky Guasco. You can find me on Twitter at Sky Guasco, S-K-Y-G-U-A-S. CO. I've been the founder and the co-host of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast since the beginning of the 2018 season. We're going into season four here. We're over 430 episodes or so, and uh, we've been talking fantasy football basically five episodes a week since last month. We're new to the Believe team, but we are not new to the podcast world or the fantasy football space, and uh, really just hoping to pump out the proper content. You know, Bobby and I really pride ourselves on an analytically based show. Not a lot of people are deep into the numbers as far as quote unquote analysts, but they like to absorb that information for those that give it. And Bobby and I enjoy digging in the weeds and finding the numbers and finding the extra scraps where we can to get that edge in fantasy football. So we pride ourselves on doing the work. We enjoy doing that. So if you're into numbers and you're into the deeper side of fantasy football, we got you covered the candlestick kids, fantasy football podcast, newest team member to the believe podcast networks. And uh, we are your one-stop shop for fantasy football, strictly content on the believe podcast networks. Yeah. And you can follow, I've been with the believe net, uh, believe work, work, working with TCK for the last year or so. Me and Sky found each other. It's very romantic story. Uh, via Twitter and Instagram and Sky saw one of my in- 
the in-depth tweets. And he goes, this guy has like a 17 column tweet. We got to get him involved. So that's how it started. Uh, so I've been working with Sky for about a year now on the TCK pod, but you can find my writing. I do a lot of work for opportunity analysis, which essentially is like trying to figure out which teams have the most available opportunities this year. We'll talk a little bit about some of that stuff later. I also write for Rasball. Did a lot of work with shadow coverage last year, but this year I'm going to be doing some slot versus wide defense analysis. So check me out on Rasball and also check me out on Expand the Box Score. But number one, check me out on the TCK pod. <laughs> Man, believe bringing Very people together. Story. Look at that. You guys hey, Phil, should we share our story? <laughs> How we made Which version of the story? <laughs> well, Jay and I met, uh, yeah, Jay and I met at a, actually at a Jacksonville Jaguars training camp practice through a mutual friend. And uh, that, at that time, I think I remember, you know, dating back all the way to then, that was when Joe Cullen was our defensive line coordinator. So, you know, you could hear him yelling across the field and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, ever since then, we've built that uh, working relationship with, with, with each other. And uh, yeah, man, that's how, that we started um, probably as far as podcasting goes, like 2015, right, Jay? Some somewhere around in there. So, um, you know, been uh, been at it just as long as as you guys have, and it's awesome to uh, uh, to you know meet a couple of other podcasters that have just uh, you know been been working their working their tails yeah, off like we to, have. Uh, what, out of to curiosity, guys, with Candlestick, this might be a stupid question actually, but with Candlestick in your podcast name, are y'all 49ers fans? I am the 49er fan. Yeah. So I started the podcast in 2018. The Candlestick Kids is directly related to Candlestick. So, Jay, it's not a stupid question. I get asked it a lot and you nailed it. So <laughs> no worries there. Yeah. So the Candlestick, you know, for any, uh, you know, Jags fans who aren't familiar, which I look, if you're new to football in the last decade, you may not even know what Candlestick is, especially if you're an East Coast, you know, fan. So no worries there. The 49ers and the San Francisco Giants baseball team started at Candlestick Park years ago. And that's where I grew up in San Francisco going to ball games when I was a kid. So uh, they moved down to Santa Clara, of course, and the Giants moved across the bay. And now they're you know still in San Francisco, but different park there, Oracle Park. And uh, when I moved up to uh, Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, I'm down the street from Autzen Stadium where the Ducks play. And uh, Justin Herbert, Marcus Mariota, and the rest grew up. Um, I uh, wanted to make a podcast and do something unique to myself and my love of football and Candlestick came up so the candlestick kids happened and bobby's a uh, a giants fan as well east coast transplant to the west coast also so we're from all over the place gotcha gotcha yeah so um so again about, just man. fandoms and, and friendships being made here throughout through football through football so yeah that was, no jay i think that was definitely a good question what we had to address and get out of the way for sure so good call good call on there but uh let's get into the football here we have a few questions we want to discuss with you guys and then we'll just kind of see uh, where it goes jay i'll take the first one here and uh you know we got to start with the man of the hour the talk of the town the hopefully appointed savior of this franchise one trevor lawrence and you know while it's not necessarily the uh well i'll, I'll let you guys talk about it as far as you know what the thought process is when drafting you know rookie quarterbacks especially when it comes to fantasy what kind of what is his fantasy value and you know what kind of season do you think he is projected to I'll have give just some basics here and then I'll defer to Bobby because I know he's actually got circles. some some uh real life if you will football questions for you all on the inside for Trevor Lawrence there at camp so right now Trevor Lawrence look especially the Jags fans no surprise here right we've been covering this kid since he was in sixth grade in middle school dominates at Clemson, get, does everything you can possibly ask from him, goes the number one overall pick. He was picked 
months before the NFL draft happens, comes in, looks great. All right, so he's going as the expert consensus ranking quarterback number 14 in redraft leagues. In rookie drafts, in super flex, he's the 101. And in regular single quarterback leagues, he's probably about a top six, top eight, depending on your format. And I, in basic terms, without any NFL data, I expect somewhere between Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert last year. Justin Herbert, of course, didn't even get started until three weeks in when Terod Taylor went down and then blew the doors off and set all the rookie records and everything else. Joe Burrow started off super hot and then got injured and tailed off. So Trevor Lawrence, I'm thinking starts, I think he's going to start a little bit slow only because new head coach Urban Meyer in the NFL, a lot of new pieces, rookies all over the field, including Trevor Lawrence. Um, But I think he's going to be just fine and start hot. And then I think, assuming he stays healthy, will finish hot as well. So in basic terms, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be just fine for fantasy football. This particular season, unless you're in dynasty, I'm not excited to draft him only because there's so many other proven commodities in fantasy football and single quarterback leagues, super flex, two quarterback league or dynasty. Absolutely. Get Trevor Lawrence on your roster. Yeah. My, my thought process with, with Trevor Lawrence is that, you know, when you look at the history of the last five so years, there's been a lot of cases where quarterbacks have produced year one. You know, even Daryl Bevel, who's a no offensive coordinator for you guys, was there for Russell Wilson, and he produced a top 10 fantasy season that year. So it's not far-fetched. You don't really see a lot of elite seasons, though. You're not looking at top five quarterback numbers, usually looking at low end between nine and 12 range for these rookie quarterbacks. Just look at last year. I mean, Justin Herbert blew everybody out of the world. The guy had like almost... 36 total touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns, absolutely 26 points per game. That 26 points per game and was QB nine last year would have been QB two the year prior. So last year was just a ridiculous year for fantasy football in the passing game. But Joe Burrow, 20 points per game in 2019. Kyler Murray, QB nine, he averaged. Uh, Daniel Jones was right around 20 points. So, you know, even, you know, further back, like Baker Mayfield, was, you know, 20 points per game. Josh Allen was 18.8. So there's been a lot of production, but we don't see those elite ceilings. But I guess my question really comes from the fact that there's a brand new offense for everybody. So like Justin Herbert, he got plopped in. And those guys like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry have been with Anthony Lynn for four years. They know that scheme, but everybody's learning a new offense this year. So it does make me a little bit more hesitant because it's one thing to plop in a rookie when everybody's been in the system for years. It's another that everybody's learning a new offense. So how do you guys feel Trevor Lawrence is doing this offseason? How are the receivers? Is everything clicking? Has there been hiccups along the way? Man, that is such a good point, too. Like, that, that's something that, uh, again, which is why we we're so excited to get in this conversation with you guys that you don't necessarily think of. People think, okay, Trevor Lawrence is coming in. He's got DJ Chark. He's got LaVisca Chenault. He's got... Uh, Marvin Marvin Jones Jr. And you think, all right, they're ready to go. But yeah, there are going to be some growing pains. What we've seen thus far is things are looking pretty solid all, all around. Of course, we're still a little concerned about the protection, which, you know, why wouldn't you be? They just brought in a left tackle that they drafted in the second round, which means who knows what they think about Cam Robinson and what his future is going to be with the team. We just came off a season off. You just mentioned Joe Burrow, where, you know, we don't want to see that situation obviously play out here in Jacksonville. And, you know, I, I will say one thing, at least from what we've seen thus far, it's looking pretty good. One thing that also, and I don't even know how much this plays into fantasy, so I'll ask you guys about it, but there is a sense of 
togetherness and unity here in Jacksonville that we have not seen in a very, very long time. And whether or not that translates to how the team plays in the field, maybe that's up for debate. But at least offensively, we're seeing we're seeing a group come together that is more tight knit than it's ever been in the past. Would you agree with that, Jay? Yep, I absolutely would. You know, even when uh, when when it was 2017, right, when they had Leonard Fournette and the crew and Jalen Ramsey and all of that, uh, it did feel like a mix of personalities, you know, even then. So now, like you see, like you said, is it really does feel like they're a close-knit group. You see these guys working out uh, in Clemson, meeting in Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, Marvin Jones, LaVisca, DJ Chark, and – uh, Chark bringing his wife along. So, like, it's really like a family atmosphere uh, that we haven't seen in a long time because it's been a lot of dysfunction with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if that could, you know, play into it down the road. I, th- I think, as I think it was Bobby said, when you get late into the season, though, that's when things start to click for a young quarterback if he's the guy that is and if the circumstances around him are correct. So, that's when you can see Trevor Lawrence start to really go to Marvin Jones Jr. By the way, a little fantasy nugget, you know, Marvin Jones Jr. has been probably one of his guys that he's going to most off, uh, often. Uh, LaVisca was another one as well, LaVisca Chanel. So we'll talk about those guys later. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree with you, Phil. It's a, it's a close group that uh, we haven't seen this type of vibe from them uh, like we've seen before. And it may be because of the coaching staff too has done a good job of gelling everybody in and making them all buy in. I want to add one more thing here before we move on from Trevor Lawrence. And it goes a little bit to what Bobby said and something that Bobby says on our show all the time, the second year continuity with, with teams, which obviously is not a thing this year, but moving forward in, in dynasty leagues with, or any keeper league with Trevor Lawrence, you can buy in now because here's the deal. If Trevor Lawrence is even close to where we think Trevor Lawrence is going to be, he's probably going to be up with Kyler Murray and, and, and Trevor Lawrence can run the ball a little bit too. So if he comes out here and he runs the ball, he rushes for, let's say four touchdowns, 300 yards, something basic, but impressive. And he throws for 3,500 yards or, you know, 30 plus touchdowns, his rookie season, he's going to be drafted as a top six to eight quarterback because of the hype on top of the, so buy it now, if you're in one of those leagues, another thing I'll mention just as far as like the family vibe, I think that matters so much more than, than people, ever consider good clubhouse guys it's like a you know baseball term right but baseball teams a lot of times bring in old veterans who aren't even practical for the team they're not going to help you win games they bring them in to help the the younger squad understand the rules of the game good atmosphere whatever i've been talking a lot about michael thomas lately i don't want to go down this rabbit hole but i think he gets traded simply because he is not he is no longer beneficial to the clubhouse in the organization. They can replace the talent somewhere else. They're not going to pay him for what he wants. They're going to ship him out and get rid of it because he's a distraction. When Trevor Lawrence is bringing all the veterans down to find in his house, they're going out on the boat. We saw the pictures at the dock. Like these yeah. guys are having a good time. <laughs> that matters, I think, more than people give it credit for because they're getting a cohesive, you know, energy together. And when they're on the field, they have more of a personal connection just instead of a business relationship. We've been talking. You guys have been together for years. Bobby and I have been together for a long time on this podcast. Now when we come on and we turn on the mics, it's much deeper than it was for the first 20 episodes together, right? We're, we're family. We're buddies. We know what each other is going to do. That's going to matter so much with Trevor Lawrence and these guys, and they're all younger except for Marvin Jones, obviously, but Marvin Jones has been very productive for a long time, and I'm excited for this offense long term. 
That whole spiel is just about Tim Tebow. Just want to let everyone know <laughs> the love of Tim Tebow and the culture he brings. So Scout's a long-winded way to say it's a, it's Tim Tebow time. What there. I'm saying is make sure to draft Tim Tebow. <laughs> Man, it took what? We were, we're like 15 minutes into this thing, and then <laughs> I'm surprised that it bad, took that huh? long. I'm surprised oh, yeah, it we took waited that longer. Long, than, yeah. yeah. The over-under was 10 minutes, so we, yeah. we were good. So. Yeah, well, uh, um, Honestly, I'm pretty. I'm proud of us for for taking <laughs> taking that. Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say this too on Tim Tebow in terms of uh, bringing him into the locker room. Uh, me and Phil have uh, mentally prepared ourselves, by the way, for and everybody's already speaking this to existence that Trevor Lawrence passed to Tim Tebow for a touchdown, whether it comes yeah. in the preseason or not. We already know when it happens, like we're going to be on like ESPN for like four days straight, <laughs> which is that's <laughs> weird. Cause Jacksonville is never on ESPN unless it's something bad, you know, like we, we uh, traded Jalen Ramsey or something like that, mm-hmm. some kind of dis uh, function going on there. But we like, I've already mentally prepared myself for it to happen. And, and you guys are right about the culture thing is I think that's a big, reason why urban Meyer brought him in and i don't know if tim tebow would be willing to you know even play on practice squad but if it came to that just having him play on practice squad just to have him in the locker room if he can't make the roster uh that that'll help you know blend everybody together and mesh everybody together because people forget while it's been since 2012 that tim tebow has been on a roster uh, he is a guy that has been on a 53-man roster before and, uh, you know, he has been in the NFL locker room for a decent amount of time, whereas you have this Jaguar squad who is they'll probably be approximately the fourth youngest team in the NFL, maybe even younger than that. Uh, they need that. They need that in the locker room. Urban Meyer needs it in his locker room because he's never done this before. Uh, a lot of his coaches have never done this before. So, yeah, he's there for a reason. And it might be deeper than uh, having him on the field, which, I mean, he may can contribute on the field too. We'll see about that in the preseason. But uh, it's definitely something going on in terms of uh, what he can offer in terms of a leader. So, yeah, Phil, you can go ahead. Oh, no, I didn't really have anything else to to add on. So if you actually want to get into uh, the next question here, which, of course, is going to be, you know, pertaining to, you know, the most important uh, position as far as fantasy football goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all know, like, Fantasy football, <laughs> right? <laughs> Josh Lambeau, right? How many points can he get you? Uh, but yeah, we all know like the running back position is is crucial to the game of fantasy football. Just like quarterback is just crucial to the the game itself in terms of regular football. So uh, it looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be veering towards a committee approach, and we say that because they have Carlos Hyde, they have James Robinson, they have Travis Etienne. But of those guys last year, James Robinson clearly. Shocked a lot of people in terms of fantasy. Put up a lot of yards, set a lot of records for an undrafted player. Even shocked uh, some Jags fans. Not necessarily me and Phil because I had put Phil on James Robinson uh, before the season and told him what he could be, and and that's what he ended up being. But some people were indeed shocked. So um, with him maybe being the starter, we'll see. It looks like he might be the starter. He's taking some of the first reps from what I've gathered. Uh, Where would be a good place to draft him? And also, where would be a good place to draft Travis Etienne, who they see, and this might be another fantasy nugget for you all to take in, they see him as this Percy Harvin type when basically, you know, Urban was in Florida, a a receiver and a running back. They see him, and if you want to put it in modern-day terms, they see him as an Alvin Kamara-like figure. 
and a guy that can see the field with James Robinson as well. So uh, where do you see those guys in terms of those two and their fantasy value? Alvin Kamara is one of my favorite players in the entire NFL for football purposes and fantasy purposes. So if you mention Alvin Kamara, I get the little hairs on my neck and get a little dancing. So I'm excited about that possibility. Not only is he, is he quote unquote, the Percy Harvin, which man, can we just like pour one out quick for Percy Harvin, man, his situation with migraines was just so sad to see a talent like that get out of the league. So early, just unfortunate, um, phenomenal player. Anyway, I have Travis Etienne personally at running back number 24, the expert consensus ranking, the fantasy industry, if you will, has him at running back 23. So I'm about on par there. And then James Robinson, I've got one lower at 33. The industry has him at number 32. Um, So I have Etienne higher than that. Now comparing him to Alvin Kamara, obviously in fantasy terms is a stretch at minimum. However, Kamara, 201 touches, 1500 plus total yards and 13 touches touchdowns as a rookie if Travis Etienne gets anything close to that he's going to be incredible moving forward but if you look at this situation and Alvin Kamara coming up as a rookie Alvin Kamara in 2017 was behind Mark Ingram and behind Adrian Peterson at the time and people were just picking a rookie as a handcuff and like yeah this kid from Tennessee is okay we'll stash him on the bench Travis Etienne obviously has a bigger pedigree than that but he was behind two bona fide in their prime running backs at that point. Adrian Peterson moves on and then Ingram and him split work and they were just fine. So there is a world if Trevor Lawrence can get this offense moving. And unfortunately, gentlemen, with the lack of a strong defense these days, the offense is going to be on the field constantly, whether they like it or not playing from behind most of the time. And I think that's just going to increase the opportunity to throw the ball and dump it down, which goes to ETN. There was talks that they were looking at Kadarius Tony that eventually went to the Giants as well. That's the Percy Harvin type player. He got taken before Urban Meyer could take him. So they went with Travis Etienne. So he might be that hybrid wide receiver running back there. But James Robinson, as you mentioned, 1,300 total yards last year, 10 touchdowns, finished the season as the running back seven. I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic as well. But I do believe Etienne is going to be the better fantasy. I think. Robinson will be the better NFL running back for what they want to do, short yardage and things like that. For fantasy, it'll be ETN. If he can get 70 targets or so, 50, 70 receptions, along with some running, I think he's going to be very fantasy viable. I'm not looking at either one of them where they're getting drafted, but if either one of them fall to me and I need a running back or so, I'd be fine with either of them. Okay, so my thing is the Percy Harvin comparison is tough because ETN's a running back. Percy Harvin is a receiver. And I understand the idea, but just to keep in mind, to give you some perspective, Daryl Bevel actually coached Percy Harvin in in the NFL in Minnesota. So there is a bunch of that continuity there. But the other thing is Percy Harvin with Daryl Bevel had 15 rushing attempts. It wasn't like he was getting 125 rushing attempts. It was not a thing. He's a receiver. So what I actually view this as is how Daryl Bevel used DeAndre Swift last year. So actually, that's a that's the way I kind of view that role because DeAndre Swift played behind Adrian Peterson. They used Carryon Johnson a little bit in the beginning of the year, and then his role grew by the time they got to the second half of the season. High draft pedigree, but they had guys that took most of the early down carries. AP was heavily involved on the ground, and Swift took most of the passing game work. I see that very similar here. So when I look at that, DeAndre Swift was the RB25 the first half of the season, 11.1 points per game. That's very productive. 
Um, AP during that same stretch had 103 touches. I could see that a very reasonable combination for James Robinson as well. But what it caught my eye was Travis Etienne, when you look at his numbers at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, it's kind of a, a unique situation because when he first played with him his sophomore season, Travis Etienne only had 12 receptions because he had Trevor Lawrence had uh, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, uh, Hunter Renfro, and, and Amari Rogers there. So he had plenty of weapons and, and the Jags have weapons. So is he going to lean so much on the running backs? Cause he has DJ Chark, even Colin Johnson is, is a stud for you guys, your fourth receiver. The question comes, how much of those targets is he going to get if he's not getting you a lot of work on the ground? So I am a little concerned because his draft cost is RB 20 now. So you're drafting the top of the fourth round. You're drafting over Cooper cup, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett. I don't think I can draft him ahead of those receivers so that's why I'm kind of fading ETN. And on Robinson's side, he was fifth in the NFL in touches per game last year. He had, and he was 20th in points per snap, 39th in points per opportunity. So he was a very volume-based player. So what I just thought was, what if we cut his touches from 20.6 down to 15? And I think that's a reasonable thing. That would lower his points per game down to 11.7, and that would be the RB27. That'd be the RB27 last year. He's going ADP27. Now you factor in Carlos Hyde. Is he going to get to 15th? I think where you're drafting Robinson, you might be drafting him at his ceiling because he's splitting the backfield touches this year. So I'm a little concerned about both these guys. I might not be drafting either of them this year. Okay. Good insight there. A lot of people needed that, especially us Jags fans, because they go like, for whatever reason, like, I mean, and this is a thing with all fan bases, they tend to stick to their guys, especially when they've had the season that Robinson had last year. And then, you know, this is, you know, Aside from being SEC country, it's ACC country too. So a lot of people, it's a lot of people migrating from that South Carolina fan base that want to take Travis Etienne and wonder what uh, he'll be or how he'll be uh, utilizing this offense with Daryl Bevel. And it, I think it's interesting that you use the DeAndre Swift comparison. I never thought of that. And I'm very familiar with DeAndre Swift. I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. So that makes sense. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and in terms of what Sky said uh, about Alvin Kamara, uh, Phil can attest to this, by the way. I'm a big Alvin Kamara fan. And that's hard to say because he went to Tennessee and I'm a Georgia fan. <laughs> but mm. I was really, really, really banging the table for the Jazz to get him. They did not. I think that's the year every they got single mock draft. Every single mock draft. Every single mock Was that the year they got Fournette? I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah they got Fournette in the first round. That, and that draft made me, class is insane overall. That draft class running. is absolutely insane with the running backs. Yep, it was. Are, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was our point. Like, the, the running back class was insane. Dalvin Cook was in there. Like, the Jags didn't have to do that. And we're veering away from fantasy here. But the Jags didn't have <laughs> yeah. to do that that early. You know what I'm saying? That's what made us kind of mad about it. But, yeah, Alvin Kamara, man, like, till this day, big fan. He's a guy that, by the way, when Phil made a reference that I won the fantasy league in, I think it was 2019, I didn't win last year. Uh, Alvin Kamara was the guy that won it for me, essentially. Mm-hmm. It was if you do you deal, uh, divvy up the points and all of that and put uh, the key moments that I needed somebody to come up with points for me, he was that guy. And if I didn't have Alvin, uh, Alvin Kamara on my team, I would have been screwed. Just point blank, period. <laughs> so, uh, that being said, uh, we're going to give the next question off uh, to Phil as we uh, – I think we're going to be continuing on the offense here. 
Yeah, and, and before we transition to our next question as well, it's just uh, so interesting when you guys break it down that way because, yeah, if you're talking about James Robinson getting five less touches a game, what a huge difference that makes in the fantasy realm. And in terms of the actual, you know, on the field, it, it makes a difference because, of course, you want to see production out of everybody involved. But fantasy-wise, that just drops his value so much, and that's just such an interesting conversation to have. I will be a little bit – I'm going to look ahead a little bit uh, as far as uh, just a backup question before we get into our next question. Is there a guy out there that you think might be sneaking up on people that will be this year's James Robinson? Have you guys done any kind of, uh, you know, research on who that guy is going to be this year? Oh, I, I mean, yeah, just sleepers basically is what you're asking for. And yeah, fantasy yeah, for running just, backs. Well, right. it was it was Darrell Henderson for the Rams. That was my guy all summer long. Even with Cam Akers healthy, Darrell Henderson was my dog. And then Akers goes down. So Darrell Henderson's like a fifth round pick now. That's no longer a thing. Um, the the name that nobody wants to hear, but I think could actually work out with a last round pick is Philip Lindsay in Houston. Just because, I mean, David Johnson's David Johnson, but Mark Ingram's probably going to get cut. Rex Burkhead's probably going to get cut. Um, and Philip Lindsay might have a chance. And then, um, you know, my Niners here, I'll go with uh, with Trey Sermon. I think Trey Sermon eventually surpasses Raheem Mostert. And then I don't want to dive into the weeds too much here on handcuffs, the idea of handcuffs for running back. But anybody new to fantasy football, a handcuff to a running back is essentially their backup. So let's take, you know, Alexander Madison, for example, in Minnesota. You're never, ever, ever playing him. But if Dalvin Cook goes down, which he did twice last year, Madison comes up. We talk about Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, right, could get extra work. He went down twice last year. Latavius Murray was the number one running back for the Saints. He was the number one running back in fantasy football the week seven and eight because he finally got the workload. So you start talking about some of those deeper picks, absolutely. Uh, you're looking at some viable options where if the top dog goes down, the next guy up could be one. Another one, Kenyon Drake with the Raiders. I think he straight up is better than Josh Jacobs personally, and he could pass him up if Jacobs isn't able to handle the rock the way that he does with the efficiency. So those are a few names for me. I mean, Phil, I got to tell you, you pulled the rug out for me. I, I would have loved, I'm like thinking in my head right now, I'm like, oh man, who should I say? Yeah, we've got like another hour, Phil. This is like, that's I our know, wheelhouse. I, know. I, don't I was know. like, I, don't I was know. like, man, this was a, this was a uh, really steep. A nice quick <laughs> question, <laughs> Phil. Good quick question. Yeah, no, nothing's quick with this. So we apologize in advance to all your fans. No, but I want to say this, though. James Robinson's situation was very unique because Fournette got cut. So, like, right. if Fournette didn't get cut, James Robinson probably wouldn't have been a thing. So, it's hard to say who the next James Robinson is. But someone that I'm actually watching a lot of is Rashad Penny. First-round pedigree, finally healthy. He looks slimmed down. He's getting a lot of reports. But when he he was the guy they actually picked in the first round to be the guy. And then Chris Carson just outplayed him. But they have used actually your guy, Carlos Hyde, last year, average double-digit touches every game. If Penny can walk into that, he's an explosive player. He's averages over five yards of carry in his career, and he's going outside the 150 range. So he's someone I'm looking at. But for your question, it's tougher because if someone's got to get cut. Maybe Melvin Gordon will get cut, but already everyone's on Javante Williams. Yeah, as I asked the question, I was like, man, this was a mistake maybe. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for, thanks for trying to – Keep it compact as, as compact as you possibly could. I appreciate that. That's that's skill for any of you that are thinking about getting into podcasting. That's what <laughs> that's what you guys just heard right there. That was slimming. That was trimming it down. And uh, for the for the sake of the rest of the show, so I appreciate you guys. But we'll get we'll get into the next question here. We'll stick sticking, of course, on the uh, continuing on the offensive side. And you know, this is a guy who is just uh, you know all over the uh, you know 
the list as far as most improved, who's going to have a breakout season. And we saw, you know, shades of that last year with LaVisca Chenault, uh, you know, maybe the most popular name in the roster when it comes to uh, the Jags that are fa- fantasy relevant. So let's talk about LaVisca as far as what his fantasy value is, is looking like this season. I like LaVisca Chenault a lot, um, but I don't like him as much as I think the industry overall. And again, I say this at nauseum. So I apologize if your listeners have ever heard me talk before and heard of this, but like, it's not the player, it's the situation most of the time, especially in fantasy football. I love James Robinson. I love Travis Etienne. I love Trevor Lawrence, obviously. I don't like the situations in Jacksonville a lot right now because the hype is so high and understandably so. You guys are looking at the bright side for the first time in quite a while, and I'm excited about that for you. But in fantasy football, you got to kind of take a bird's eye view. LaVisca Chenault last year, 79 targets, 600 yards, and five touchdowns. Decent season. I expect him. I project him somewhere closer to about 90 receptions, 900 yards, and about eight touchdowns, which would be an excellent leap for him. Even still, I would rather have, going in the area he is right now, I would rather have Debo Samuel, Brandon Cooks, assuming it's Deshaun Watson. If not, then probably not. Mike Williams of the Chargers. I expect a big bounce back season from him finally with uh, Herbert. Antonio Brown, even, who was dominant over the back half of the season last year. Michael Pittman, assuming Carson Wentz is good to go. Those are guys that are going in the same area right there, similar receivers. I would rather have over LaVisca Chenault. I hope I'm wrong on that one. I've got him ranked about the same area that the industry does. I just don't see myself getting him in any mock drafts because of the other skill positions I just mentioned wide receivers. There's a couple late round tight ends. There's a few, you know, high upside late round quarterbacks going in that same area that I would look at over Levisca Chenault. I also expect Trevor Lawrence in this offense to spread the ball around, even if it siphons in the air, in the air game to Chenault. You mentioned Marvin Jones. That's my man, right? DJ Chark, hopefully getting a bounce back here. You mentioned Colin Johnson, who's a guy nobody talks about six, five. I mean, the dude's a beast and whatever they do at tight end and Anna ETN out of the backfield. So I just expect that the, the distribution to be heavy and not siphoned to LaVisca Chenault. So I like the player. Uh, I'm just not excited about him necessarily on my fantasy team this year. It's a lot of wait and see with Jacksonville for me. Before I start, I want to kick it over to you guys. How is Chenault, how is he being used? Is he getting uh, end of rounds, carries? Like, are they using him a little bit more in the ground game too? How's he look so far? From how uh, I gather and Phil has been the one that actually has been able to go to one of the camps. I've been writing out all of the notes and accumulating all the notes for the media. He's been seeing a lot of sla- uh, snaps in the slot. Uh, so, like, that that seems to be the plan. You know, like like you said, last year he kind of took carries out of the backfield, and he kind of had that background because he, you know, at Colorado State he did everything. Like, he played slot. You know, he played in the backfield. He played on the perimeter. But – uh, it looks like, and it sounds like how the coaches have come off as well, is they want to focus on him being predominantly a receiver. And maybe mm-hmm. the reason for that is because they have the versatile uh, Travis Etienne now. And and by the way, LaVisca, uh, a big reason why he fell to the Jags, by the way, is because of his injury history. And that's a, a big reason why he was available. But if you look at him on the surface – he probably should have been a first-round pick, but the, it, there were injury concerns. And I think the Jaguars maybe wanted to get away from that and just solely use him as a, a receiver, and in this case, in the slot. Uh, because, I mean, he is a bit of a mismatch to bring down in the slot. He's, I mean, like, you try a nickelback trying to bring that guy down, it's not happening because he's just that, he's just that strong. By the way, this might be a fantasy-relevant nugget. 
he led the league in terms of rookie broken tackles last year to kind of tell you where he was in terms of that. So, like, maybe that's why they want to use him in the slot more. Love that. Yeah, and to piggyback on that, I, the at least for the one camp that I got to attend, I didn't see him taking any uh, any snaps at running back or anything like that. So, yeah, it does appear that they're leaning towards just focusing on him as a wide receiver. And, you know, when you talk, when Jay mentions there, you know, he probably should have been a first-round receiver. The previous regime seemed, at least the way that they talked about him, during draft night, they targeted LaVisca in 2019. That's how far back they were interested in bringing him into the, uh, into the franchise. So yeah, I definitely think he would have been, uh, you know, with, with the injury, without the injuries, a first round, uh, a first round pick for sure. Yeah. The reason why I ask this is because you look at the coaching staff, you look at urban Meyer, look at the guys that had the most dominant seasons. You got Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, Michael Thomas, Corey Brown, those four receivers at Ohio state were primary slot guys who got drafted and played the slot. And that's why I'm like, okay, that seems interesting to me. I think that that position in an Urban Meyer type scheme is good. But look at Daryl Bevel. Percy Harvin was a top 20 receiver playing out of the slot under Daryl Bevel in Minnesota. Doug Baldwin. Remember Doug Baldwin? Baldwin had three top, yeah, three top 15 finishes, two top 10 finishes playing in Daryl Bevel out of the slot. And then Danny Amendola, a lot of people, not fantasy relevant, but he had his career best yards per target and yards per reception in 2020, just last year in his 30s playing in this scheme. So it's been very good for slot receivers. Plus, I mean, listen, Trevor Lawrence, if you look at his college numbers, he actually used Justin Ross and T Higgins a lot. Those were his big time receivers, but a Hunter Renfro and Amari Rogers weren't too bad themselves playing in the interior. Um, He also was going in the ninth round. So I know there's guys like Antonio Brown, which we all love. uh, And I probably will take a B over him, but if you go tight end or quarterback early and now, format and you need to have a wide receiver three I don't think Chanel's a bad pick at all in that ninth round range yeah of course as we mentioned you know as far as his just production on the field he's popping up on all these lists as far as somebody that is going to be uh, making a massive jump and you know again as we talked about earlier they're building that chemistry uh, between you know Trevor Lawrence and the and the other receivers as well so definitely a guy of course that has a whole lot of uh, you know, a, a whole lot of uh, a lot of positivity surrounding him here, not only locally, but also within the NFL in general. Um, but Eric, I, I mean, Eric, <laughs> that is the co-host of my other podcast, Jay. <laughs> Jay. But Jay, I, I know we have uh, one more question here as far as our roster goes. And it's about the, uh, you know, the other receiver that we brought in that we've mentioned a couple times here. Yeah. And we've kind of talked about it and danced around it. And he's been mentioning as Marvin Jones Jr., who looks like the best receiver in the camp for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's garnered at least nine touchdowns in three of the last four years. Uh, so he can get in the end zone. I'm thinking the reason why he is the most deadliest receiver at Jags training camp is because he's familiar with the system. He played with Darryl Bevel in Detroit. So, you know, he knows the system the best. Uh, he's the most acclimated with the system. That's why they brought him in, essentially, is because they needed a veteran that knew the X's and O's and the ins and outs of this system. And, and of course, Urban Meyer is going to add his wrinkles and Schottenheimer, the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. They're going to add their wrinkles, too. But this is probably, uh, you know, the, the basics of it is probably Darryl Bevel's scheme. Um, that being said, with, with Marvin Jones Jr., uh, like, what what are your thoughts on him in terms of where, where he should be drafted and his value uh, this year? Because it looks like he probably will be the go-to guy for the Jazz because he's flourished whether it was Gardner Minshew taking snaps with the ones or whether it was Trevor Lawrence 
I love this that you brought that up, Jay. I'm going to, I'm going to defer to Bobby in a second to talk about the system continuity with the quarterbacks and the OC. That's Bobby's wheelhouse. I'll let him handle that one. I'll give just some basics here. First of all, Marvin Jones has been my sleeper. If you, you know, if you want to call that for like five years in a row with Detroit, right? I mean, he's always been overshadowed. Um, and whether it was golden Tate back in the day and, and, you know, Kenny Galladay recently, Marvin Jones is the man when he is healthy, he's dominant on the field. He's always a high upside touchdown maker, which you love obviously in fantasy football. So absolutely. He's a sleeper for me in the fantasy community and he's averaged about 900 receiving yards and nine touchdowns over a 16 game pace. Again, a big issue with Marvin Jones is he just doesn't play 16 games. He gets hiccup quite a bit, unfortunately, but a paced his seasons over that he's about 909, which would be an excellent about, you know, back in wide receiver two, which would be excellent in the last four seasons. He's currently going in the back of the 11th round. So if we think about that in fantasy terms, you could have a quarterback, a tight end, four running backs and four receivers just generically in that time frame. He's your wide receiver five. You may not play him ever. You might also have a gem sitting on your bench for bye weeks. If any of your top dudes get injured, an extra flex position, trade opportunity if he has a big week, right? He had a game years ago with the – I think he's one of the only wide receivers in NFL history with two games of four touchdowns. If he has something insane like that, you might be able to trade him overnight for another bigger piece. I will take a Marvin Jones Jr. over Marquise Brown. Corey Davis, Miko Hardman, Devontae Parker, T.Y. Hilton. I'll take him over all of those guys with the upside. Knowing that, look, he's not going to win you weeks, but you need to get points on your roster for fantasy football. He's a great guy to get you 12, 15, 18 every week, and boom, every once in a while in this offense. And, man, I'm licking my chops if you're telling me that the third wide receiver for the Jags in fantasy, the third one getting drafted, might be the number one. Look out. That's a sleeper all day long. Bobby, I'll turn to you. I mean, I'm not just saying this, guys, so you invite me back, but Marvin Jones is like one of my favorite sleepers this year. Like, Let's I brought go. him up on another pot. I am obsessed with Marvin Jones. Um, it's just funny. So, I, it's great. Jay, you brought this up earlier about his last two seasons with Daryl Bevel. Let's talk about those seasons. He finished in 2020, 16th overall in fantasy, 23rd in points per game and half point PPR. In 2019, he finished 27th overall, but he finished 17th in points per game. So right there, he's in the top 30 easily in both years in Daryl Bevel's system. And guess where he's going now? Outside the top 50. Two plus two equals 17 for some reason. It's like this guy is going to produce top 30 numbers. And I've heard this. I actually have it in my notes. All you keep hearing about is deep shots, deep shots. And Marvin Jones, he's lighting up camp. Trevor Lawrence is not scared. He, he complimented Trevor Lawrence's aggressiveness, challenging downfield. But I also looked into his college years. Trevor Lawrence challenge T Higgins and Justin Ross were his guys. Those were the outside vertical threats. He challenges defenses downfield. So I think it is all about Marvin Jones. The question comes now is he's starting to creep up, creep up over the last week. He's jumped 10 spots. So now he's going inside that 10th round range. I've seen him go as high as in the ninth round. I'm still in. I think, I don't know if I'm going to stop. I think eighth round, I'm going to be like sitting there three beers deep, still drafting Marvin Jones, probably in the seventh round by the time it's all done. So I'm excited for Marvin Jones. And I think he's a great pick this year. I totally agree with the whole, you guys, I mean, and I would notice from the film study, Trevor Lawrence's deep ball ability, you know, like that's why we were excited at the time when we knew we had the first overall pick. That's why we were excited for DJ Chark. Uh, then they went in free agency and they got Marvin Jones Jr. So, you know, they might 
bump each, bump each other's head in terms of the statistics they can make. But, yeah, I agree with a lot of what y'all said about Marvin Jones Jr. and T-Law's aggressiveness. And that's what you hear about at camp, by the way, is his aggressiveness. Another nugget that people might can take and run with it, and you said it, Bobby. One of the things, the big differences you see between Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence, who are they alternating snaps between who is going number one and who is going with the number two is they there. I mean, ultimately, we all know that Trevor Lawrence is going to start, but, you know, they're just experimenting right now, whatever the case may be. And when Trevor Lawrence is in there, you can tell the difference. And it's probably because he has the physical tools that Gardner Minshew doesn't. But he's more aggressive and he's more willing uh, to take the risk. You know, he's not a risk adverse quarterback. Meanwhile, Gardner Minshew is a guy that he is lighting it up in terms of completion rate. If you look at practice and training camp, he's getting a better completion rate than Trevor Lawrence. But a lot of it or a good majority of it are checkdowns and this, that, and another. So had it been a situation where Gardner Minshew is the guy that would be the number one uh, quarterback, you know, like last year, for example, people should be concerned about that pairing with Marvin Jones Jr. But with Trevor Lawrence back there, that definitely can ignite a fire, especially uh, for somebody who needs some uh, some fantasy football points. And that's one that I'm sure Phil and I will probably bump heads trying to get him now that you all have praised him so much <laughs> in, in our fantasy league. But we'll probably end up bumping heads. And, like, that's the guy that, uh, you know, I hope our friends aren't listening to this podcast as well because, like, they'll be trying to fight for him as well <laughs> in the draft. But that was a lot of interesting insight y'all shared there. Can what I about DJ one? Shark? Yeah, I, sorry hey, to cut you off, Scott. No, yeah, Bobby. I just want to, yeah, because I'm wondering, man. Like he, he's got the tools too, but it just seems like because of the finger injury. What are your thoughts on him? Should he have? Should he have been the first receiver drafted this whole time? Give us what you got, because I want to know a little bit more about DJ. Well, one thing that's definitely been consistent throughout the entirety of camp. It's that Urban Meyer believes in DJ Chark. Every single camp, pretty much, DJ is one of the first guys that gets out there. And Urban, at least, I don't know if it's still going on in the last couple of days, Jay, you'll have to let me know. But every time for the first couple of weeks, DJ and Urban have been working one-on-one before the start of every practice. So, you know, we heard about the stories. Urban is challenging DJ because I think he believes that he can be, he can definitely be that number one receiver. Jay, you've been you've been harping on it for years now on this show. DJ Chark, when healthy, when he's out there playing as a top 10 deep threat in football. We, we know that. So the good thing is, of course, that he is, as we already mentioned, building that chemistry with Trevor Lawrence because we saw clear frustrations with Gardner Minshew uh, from DJ Chark throughout the season, especially late when Minshew was kind of being pulled in and out of the lineup, you definitely saw the frustration on, on DJ and his body language. And um, you're just knowing that the, that he has the support of the coaching staff, but also he has a guy that he's been leaning on in Marvin Jones that has also been able to, I think, show him the ropes as far as getting used to this system and, you know, becoming more familiar with it. DJ Chark, unfortunately has been very frustrating last year for fantasy football, right? Came out as a rookie. Didn't have much work. Second season though, 2019, 73 catches, a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. He lands at wide receiver 17 in PPR. A lot of people had him on the breakout list, right? Like you're excited to get a middle rounds. He's going to explode. Garner Menchu coming from Wazoo, just running gun, you know, down, down to, to sling it. And he comes out and frankly, for fantasy purposes, lays an egg, 53 catches, 700 yards, just five touchdowns, 49th, let a lot of people down in the middle rounds. 
guys, I'll kick it to you. And then maybe Bobby can, can react or I will. Um, there's two different rankings, right? You guys are on the NFL side more. So we're on the fantasy side for NFL purposes, strictly. What are you hearing? You're hearing Marvin Jones, maybe number one, LaVisca, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones. What is your prediction? Each of you, I guess, who's one, two, and three on the depth chart as of today. And then we can give you the fantasy side of it. Cause I don't think it's the same. So yeah, what uh, this and your question, Sky, kind of correlates with what Phil said in terms of DJ Chark and has he been on the field lately? So on the last practice reports that I've done, um, he's uh, I know at the scrimmage which occurred on Sunday, he had a, a little uh, cast or I don't know if it's like a light cast or whatever the case may be, but he has a cast on his hand, so he hasn't been uh, stepping out to practice with Urban Meyer early in the early stages of uh, practice. By the way, Phil, because he's I, I think he's been held out like he's a injury scratch for now. Uh, but uh, for those wondering, he'll be back at least from what Urban Meyer said, he'll be back week one. Now, to answer your question, and by the way, they play the Houston Texans, if anybody want to know that information for week one. Uh, so to answer your question, Sky, in terms of uh, the pecking order, when Chart was healthy, and I would still say this will be the pecking order when it's all said and done, is, is Marvin Jones Jr., again, familiarity with the system, knows the system. To me, he's flourished. You know, when Gardner's on the field, he's flourished when uh, Trevor Lawrence is on the field. So it really hasn't been – it hasn't mattered who is the top quarterback when they're getting reps together. He's been the guy. And then I would have said DJ Chark probably. But in terms of the training camp notes, the second most productive receiver has been LaVisca. And, again, that might be because of what Bobby has said already. Slot receiver in Daryl Bevel's scheme just eats for whatever reason you know like that's just how that scheme is made so it's it's really been if you're talking about the amount of catches it's probably been Marvin and then it's probably been uh, LaVisca second but me personally I think how it would have played out in the season is Marvin first and DJ Chark second and then LaVisca third so that I, answers your I, question I, and then like another guy by the way I'll say this too that y'all mentioned Colin Johnson has caught fire lately. That's Phil's Ooh, that's guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, that's Phil's guy. Loving all this Colin Johnson too. love. Loving yeah. all this Colin Johnson he's, love. <laughs> he's caught fire the last three days, and it seems like he might be receiver number four. If you want to go that deep into it, uh, it was looking like Philip Dorsett might be receiver number five, but right now Philip Dorsett, he just came back to practice today, but he's he's missed a few days, and what that did is allowed Jamal Agnew, and this might be another fantasy nugget here, it allowed Jamal Agnew, a former All-Pro in 2017 returner in terms of special teams, it's allowed Jamal Agnew to come in, and he has looked good as a deep threat receiver for this team. He's really taken advantage of the injuries the Jags have had in training camp because they got like six guys down at receiver. So Agnew, who was you know, basically brought in to be a returner, has seen a lot of action at receiver, and he's flourishing at it. So... Uh, take that for what is worth. You know, he's a deep threat guy that they're looking at in this offense as well. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I got to offer in terms of, like, the depth chart analysis. That's really interesting because in fantasy it's flipped, right? LaVisca is far and away the number one. Chark is number two. And, and Marvin Jones every year is buried. Uh, I love the Johnson brothers, though, man. I'm a big fan of Tyler Johnson in, in Tampa Bay also, Colin Johnson in Jacksonville. Two or three years from now, both of those guys, I think, are going to be horses for their teams, but they're not relevant yet. But it's interesting because NFL depth chart and fantasy depth chart for Jacksonville at wide receiver we're talking about is basically flipped. So that what that tells me in fantasy, 
is go get the number one receiver potentially five rounds later than the number two or three wide receiver and get that value. I got to ask this question, guys, and I'm sorry. I know we shouldn't do this, but tight end, all right? So Daryl Bevel uses tight ends, and I'm just curious. Like, is James? I know Tebow would be fun. Like, honestly, I think Jesus would come back if he caught a touchdown from Lawrence. It'd be a whole thing. There, you know, it'd be perfect. But like James O'Shaughnessy, like other guys on the roster. Like, is there is there a pass catching tight end at all? Because Bevel has used them in the past. Yeah, it seems like James O'Shaughnessy is far and away the best receiving threat at tight end on this roster. And he's a sneaky good threat, I would say. Um, don't know like how much uh, how, how much I would gamble on him in terms of a fantasy mm-hmm. perspective, but uh, he's far and away the best receiver at tight end on this roster. And me and Phil talked about this in the last podcast with our last guest. Shout outs to Lori from uh, the Touchdown Wire. Uh, one thing we found about James O'Shaughnessy is he's been a sneaky outlet. At times, the only thing that's hindered him is he had an ACL injury. But when Gardner Minshew, and I don't know if this will help you guys, but when Gardner Minshew was a rookie and first started seeing the field in terms of regular season games, James O'Shaughnessy was his guy. And we're starting to see that reflect with Trevor Lawrence at times in terms of the tight ends on this roster. Trevor Lawrence has gone to James O'Shaughnessy at sneaky points in, in practice. And one of them was most notably uh, at the scrimmage, he hit him in the scene for a touchdown. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, so that being said, while, and this might help y'all too, while a lot of people, fans in Jaguar Nation and Duval might feel like tight end is a big, big concern, and me and Phil were along those lines as well, it's starting to look like they make and make do with James O'Shaughnessy as the top receiving threat and just worry about getting a tight end later. As, at least as a receiver, they got plenty of guys they can block, but it, it, they may, it seems to me, it feels like they feel like they can be okay with James O'Shaughnessy because they are so loaded at receiver, which is kind of what we all have discussed here. Yeah, and then a guy like Chris Mannertz is a guy who, when you put on the tape from Carolina, is a guy that they d- didn't really use at all as a receiving threat. So, you know, maybe you get him a little bit involved. And then really, as far as that third spot, Jay, it's probably either going to be down to uh, Luke Farrell and then Ben Elveson is based off of what we've seen at camp, right? Exactly, Phil. You hit it, uh, the nail on the head. It's probably more so Ben Elveson uh, because Ben Elveson is, uh, he's a guy, well, he, he's seen regular season games, should I say. And, you know, whereas uh, Luke Farrell, a former Ohio State player for Urban Meyer, is a, is a rookie. So both of those guys feel like they'll be more so blocking tight ends than more than anything uh so yeah if you know the name to watch here is definitely james o'shaughnessy uh maybe he could be a sneaky good waiver pickup or something like that where you see trevor lawrence is starting to catch fire with him but then again like in in college and you can't really necessarily compare the two uh but in college if i can recall uh at least in the last year of trevor lawrence's film they didn't really use tight ends like that i think like he had a tight end at Clemson, that was like his third or fourth best receiver when you stacked it on the list. But, uh, you know, he wasn't a big tight end heavy player, if you will, or a quarterback. But, again, like you said, uh, Bobby, he's in Daryl Bevel's scheme now. And, uh, of course, the Jaguars don't have a T.J. Hawkinson here. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, definitely James O'Shaughnessy could shock some people, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, be a guy that sneak in about four touchdowns or something, maybe more. 
something like that down the road. So um, that's the name to watch, in my opinion, in terms of the sleeper tight end. But uh, in terms of like if they ever get that guy, it'll probably have to come next year, uh, probably through free agency, because you guys probably know this as well. Uh, rookie tight ends don't have a lot of success. You're probably better off going to free agency if you're a GM in the real world. If you're a GM, you're probably better off going to free agency and getting you a veteran. Unless you're Kyle Pitts, right? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, guys. Well, let's get to our, our very last question here before we wrap up, and we're just kind of going to look at the AFC really as a whole. And, uh, you know, we talked about this before, before we started, you know, because we talked about that there may still be some deficiencies on defense here in Jacksonville. That's going to affect how you look at the rest of the offensive players in the AFC South. So, you know, aside from uh, that guy in Tennessee, I think his name's Derek Henry. I don't really want to talk about him longer than we, we need to. You embarrass his office every time, every time we put him. So, you know, who, who are some, some options in the AFC South, that maybe, you know, fans can take a look at uh, if they're looking to fill out their roster. Bobby, why don't you kick a couple of names first? I'll fill in the gaps. All right. So first off, it, it's got to be A.J. Brown. And and one of the weirdest parts about A.J. Brown is that they get Julio and then everyone's like, oh, I guess he can't be a top five receiver now. And it's like, you know, do you realize how many available targets the Titans have? They So I do an analysis every year where I actually look at, based on historical dropback data from every O.C., and I look at the available targets and I make a metric out of it. They have 281 available new opportunities this year. So that means AJ Brown can get his hundred plus and Julio Jones can get 125. And there's still 150 more available opportunities on this offense. He's now falling into two, three turn. This guy, in my opinion, is a slam dunk. So Todd Downing, who's the new OC, if you remember, he actually was the one year for the Raiders. They actually featured two receivers, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. That season in the healthy games they played, they both averaged about 7.8 targets per game. Last season, A.J. Brown averaged 7.5. So, hey, give me that little extra nugget, that extra .3. So once A.J. Brown returned from his injury in week four, actually they had a bye in week four, it was week five, he was fifth in the NFL in points per game at 15.5 points per game for wide receivers. So that's like just behind Stephon Diggs. He's an elite top five receiver. That's like Calvin Ridley type numbers when Calvin Ridley doesn't play with Julio. So in my opinion, he's the wide receiver five in fantasy. That's not even a blinking of the eye. I'm taking him over guys like um, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson. I know DK is Sky's guy, but that's why I think AJ Brown, in my opinion, is a lock and loaded, you know, mid round, second round pick, even though I'm a RB heavy guy, but I think he's going to explode this season. And I think Julio Jones is actually going to help the offense. It's going to help Ryan Tannehill going to help everyone and plus Corey Davis was really good last year I think a lot of people forget how good of an efficient receiver he was yes he's not Julio I'm expecting big things from AJ Brown I'm going to pile onto the Titans here and just go with his teammate and that is the legendary Hall of Famer Julio Jones he comes over I know last year was very frustrating especially in fantasy because he's Julio you draft him as a top three wide receiver and then he missed seven games he was hurt and probably five more very frustrating still came up with 700 yards but Julio Jones is not an injury risk historically to miss games. He plays injured, unfortunately, almost every week. But in the last six years, he's only missed four games before last year. I mean, listen, 1,600 yards, 1,800 yards, 14, 14, 16, 1,400 yards. He's always been low in the, in the touchdown deficiencies. But with Ryan Tannehill, the efficiency of that offense and Derrick Henry, of course, bringing everybody up, 
they can take the top off. So I like Julio Jones, and you're, this is the best value you're ever going to get from him. People are going to say the only thing you can say about Julio that you don't like is injury risk, which, I again, I just think is not actually a thing so much, and then his age. It could catch up to him, and we could see that. But we just saw what Antonio Brown did, right? A.J. Green has been just unusable for two years in Cincinnati, but got a new start in, in Arizona. They would not have brought him over if he wasn't usable, all right? So he might just be want to take a year off and get healthy. Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, I think, are going to be absolutely dominant. The industry's got him at 17. I've got him at 14. I want to put him at 12 just for respect for Julio Jones. I think if you know if you end up with either one of these guys, they're going to be absolutely dominant. And some other names just to kind of run out the AFC South. We all know about Jonathan Taylor. It all depends on Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz, obviously. We talked about Travis Etienne, of course. And then a couple quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill. If you if you miss on early quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill is one of my first guys I go to if I miss on those early quarterbacks in like the 10th, 11th, 12th round in single quarterback leagues. Love Ryan Tannehill. And then if Watson plays, he's Deshaun Watson. If Carson Wentz plays, I expect a huge bounce back um, reuniting in uh, Indianapolis as well with all those weapons and Jonathan Taylor too. So the AFC South, frankly, is loaded. And, you know, other than Houston's, situation right now jacksonville's on the turn up for you guys and um obviously the colts and the titans are perennially dominant recently so we'll see what happens with deshaun watson but the afc south is, is sneaky good for fantasy football well there you have it folks there are some names to keep an eye out for uh you know we some of those names uh, again outside of derrick henry definitely give us uh, some nightmares but <laughs> as far as fantasy goes you know they're definitely gonna be able to put some points up jay did you have anything else that you wanted to ask our guests before we uh we wrap up this episode because uh man this was a blast and uh, like uh, they both mentioned we could easily do this for another hour but there's just not enough time <laughs> nah man yeah it was so in-depth man like I, I really they they didn't leave any questions that I had in my mind at least unturned. So um I feel like I came out of this podcast a much smarter fantasy player. I was already pretty decent, but I was I wasn't into the analytics side. Now I'm gonna need you to forget all of that in a couple weeks <laughs> when we draft. So I just don't remember yeah. anything that <laughs> And also, we didn't even, we also have to shout out Sky, who, keep in mind, this is just an audio-only podcast, but he's, he hung up the Mark Brunel jersey behind him because uh, he knew he was going to be coming on the show. It's not for you guys. It's, it's just, for, <laughs> just for us. So we have to give a shout out. So thank you. Uh, thanks for that, Sky. We, we really appreciate it. But yeah, one more time, guys, if you want to let everybody know where they can find your work, and then, you know, we'll wrap it up. Yep, I'll start with the TCK side of things and let Bobby also run out as well. He writes for a lot of other great companies also. My name is Sky Gwasco. You can find me on Twitter, S-K-Y-G-U-A-S-C-O. Find me on Instagram, fantasy football underscore TCK pod. Of course, we are a new part of the Believe Podcast Network as well. The Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I know it's a mouthful. We're also go by TCK pod. Make sure you give us a listen. Again, we go really in depth here with fantasy football. You know, we're talking Jags heavy right now, but we cover every team. We cover every style of fantasy, you know, whether it's dynasty, redraft, rookie, uh, you know, whatever PPR, non-PPR, super flex, guillotine leagues, whatever it is, we got it for you. So come and check us out for all your fantasy football needs on the Believe Podcast Network. Once again, that is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Before Bobby gets into it, quick Mark Brunel. I grew up early 90s, right? 96 Jags, absolutely phenomenal. Left-handed quarterback from the University of Washington right up the street from me. And you can't tell, but it is signed there as well. Brunel's my dog. Love those old school Jags teams, my man. So I had to throw it up in homage for you guys. Bobby, go ahead. 
Yeah, and if you guys are interested in some of these analysis that we do and how we get our data, we actually have an exclusive partnership with Expand the Box for a site I write for. You actually can use the promo code TCK. You get a four-day free trial. You can check out all the analytics that we use for our stats and data. It's a good way to entry-level stuff to get you. It's only $20, guys. So instead of paying $100 for those PFF sites to get a $20 tool to get you all these deep data analytics, also my opportunity analysis drops tomorrow. So check it out on Expand the Box Score. And I'm also writing for football.rasball.com. And I wanted to thank you and your fans for having us on today. Absolutely, gentlemen. And also, you know, one, one more time, just wanted to compliment you guys. You know, as far as the amount of content that you guys put out, uh, it's absolutely insane. Between, you know, between Jay and I, we run a couple of other podcasts as well. Between the show that I run, of course, with Believe in the Jags, and then the other pop culture show that I run, you know, that's two or three episodes a week. And the amount of content that you guys put out is incredible and i'm sure jay will also echo this as well y'all's chemistry you know is is awesome as as well so you know the fact that you guys have been doing this for so long really really shows so thank you guys so much for your for your time here today it was it was a blast we'll have to do it again for sure soon likewise gentlemen thank you all right folks well again that is the candlestick kids fantasy podcast all of that will be linked in the description of this episode below gentlemen you guys stay safe and we will speak to you soon All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that in-depth conversation with Sky and Bobby. And uh, Jay, this was the first time we had gotten to meet them. You know, as you mentioned, they had linked up with the Believe Podcast Network, but they're over 400 episodes deep. And it really, really shows with, again, how great their chemistry was and just how in-depth they went. That's why I had to give them a shout out there right as we were wrapping up because, man, they were they were awesome. And we're excited to hopefully work with them again soon. Yeah, we definitely now that like they made it so interesting, we definitely got to have more fantasy discussions on here. And I mean, like they they said a president <laughs> that I don't know any other fantasy guests might live up to, uh, which is I, that's good for us that our first ever fantasy guests were uh, as good as they were. But now, like, yeah, like they made it so intriguing to the point where like we, we definitely probably should. Uh, you know, integrate more fantasy stuff into the podcast and, uh, you know, help the fans out from that perspective because, we, you know, a lot of uh, Jags fans do like the gambling realm and the fantasy football realm of things. We we talked about it and maybe we should – this is another good idea. Maybe we should talk about the sports gambling side of things uh, with Jacksonville and the state of Florida uh, trying to legalize it or in the process of legalizing it. Maybe we could get into that later down the road as well. So – yeah, man, enjoy that episode and uh, can't wait to uh, collab with them in the future. Yeah, so let us know, you know, over on social media. You can find us uh, at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. Let us know what you guys thought about that episode. If you want us to dive more uh, in depth into fantasy football stuff, we'll we'll certainly do that. And, uh, you know, we're all about making sure that, uh, you know, the listeners have the best experience possible but we're going to wrap it up here uh, for now next week we are going to return to our normal format where it will be just jay and i because we're going to have a lot to discuss because this episode ran a little bit longer we didn't have a chance to talk about the cj henderson situation but so we'll do that next week and we'll also talk about the first you know preseason game which is going to be this weekend as well so we're going to be talking about a lot of that uh, jay is there anything else that you want to mention for uh, for our listeners to look forward to before we wrap it up for the week yeah, I got a uh, speaking of CJ Henderson, I was working on it before we jumped on the podcast, uh, uh, some suitors for CJ Henderson. 
if it gets to that point where, you know, they they want to trade him, you know, they did express that uh, they, they wouldn't mind having him on the team either. So it's kind of hard to tell right now. But, um, we're you know, we're in the early developments of it. But I've uh, looked into some suitors. We'll probably look into that. Of course, we're going to have the preseason action. Like you said, not only on the podcast, but uh, we'll be looking and reflecting on the preseason game against the Cleveland Browns that's at home. Uh, we'll be reflecting on that as well in the ins and outs of that. Um, you know, you would hope the starters don't take the field for too long, if at all. Uh, but still, like, you know, we still can bring some takeaways out of that from the backups. You know, this is probably the the deepest team that we've seen in terms of, like, back-end competition, you know, in, in a long time. So that'll it's been be a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, so, yeah, normally, you know. We're talking about we don't have enough depth here or we don't have enough depth there. And now we have depth at positions uh, that we're not used to having depth at, you know, offensive tackle, linebacker, all of that stuff. So we will reevaluate what went on in the game against the Browns. And, um, yeah, we'll have more content on the rest of the preseason games afterward as well. Absolutely, folks. So make sure you keep up, of course, with the JaguarsWire.com. That's where you can find all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. You can find this podcast anywhere you're listening to your favorite shows, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, make sure to find us and the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. One more time, you can find us at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is at SportsGrind underscore Don. I will add one more shameless plug. If you are local here to Jacksonville and you feel like uh, doing something a little bit different, next Thursday night at the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Stadium, which I think is one-to-one financial field, uh, I will be performing some stand-up comedy with some local comics, including Jay Paw, who is a regular in the Jacksonville Jaguar Twitter community, so you may know her. She is hosting the event. Uh, the tickets are only 10 bucks, and you get a free beer with your tickets. So you might as well come out and celebrate Thirsty Thursday and also see some stand local stand-up comics. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, so make sure you guys uh, check that out. But this has been Believe in the Jaguars here in the Believe Podcast Network. Don't forget to believe in the Jags, but more importantly, believe in yourselves. We'll see you next week, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.